When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to the Off Speed Podcast, where we slow down, we take uh, deep dives into different worlds of sports. Uh, I am your host, Grace Leader. I'm very excited to be with you today chatting about baseball, but specifically just pitching, mostly. Uh, you can't really have pitching without hitting, but um, we're going to focus in on Major League Baseball and pitching. And I'm very excited to welcome in a guest who I was saying to him earlier, uh, when the baseball season starts, I listen to him every weekday uh, on his podcast. Uh, Nick Pollock, the founder of uh, and CEO of Pitcher List, a website that has the deepest fantasy baseball coverage. Uh, they do podcasts, live streams, videos, and articles. Nick, welcome to the podcast, and how you doing? Oh, what is happening? Thank you so much for having me. And yes, I'm so excited that it's just pitching. I get to talk about yeah. my favorite thing in my favorite sport. Uh, I couldn't be more honored to be here. Nick, can I tell you, I, I actually, I, I, I had some second thoughts about inviting you on the podcast. Why? Why would you ever have second thoughts? Because you are the key to me winning at least one of my fantasy baseball <laughs> leagues last year. And no. I feel like I'm giving the keys to the kingdom, Nick. I know no. this is, it's your website. I know it's your, this is your business. You know, it's your business. It's your life. You need everybody. You know, you want as many people to listen to it. You are an invaluable resource, but I feel like now I can't have people <laughs> play fantasy baseball. Yeah, but Grace, you know but list. Yeah. you know, you do the right thing though. You have PL plus, and that means you're hanging with us in the discord and you get the information before everybody else. I do have PL plus uh, my brother. I asked him if he had any questions. My brother is a huge baseball fan. Uh, he's very good at fantasy baseball. Um, I, I, the only question he's had is how can I beat my sister at, uh, at fantasy baseball? <laughs> uh, but he also said he got hooked up with his, uh, PS, uh, uh sorry, pitcherless plus PL plus, um, PL, P, yeah, R-H-A-P, P-S-R, there's too many acronyms. Uh, oh, of course, I know. The, um, you were, the reason we are at PL Plus, by the way, and I know everyone is it now. I'm just seeing like ads for CNN Plus now. Yes. Uh, but yes. we actually have PL. I wanted the whole logo to be PL and then us because oh. you get the community and I wanted plus. And I That's thought it was really so good. brilliant. 
And then we mess around with some logos. And I think the staff voted like 72 to four in favor of just making it PL and a plus sign oh. instead of the PLUS. No, so, that's very clever. PL. Yeah, but yes. it's not good marketing. So no. never mind. <laughs> well, I mean, you loop me in. So, uh, you know, preferred logo or not. Uh, I, I love uh, Pitcherless. I, yeah, I listen to you a lot. And so uh, I think you're so insightful when it comes to uh, pitching because I feel like when when you break down, you you every day during the season, people don't know, uh, what you do is you you talk about what happened yesterday, uh, the day before, uh, all the pitching, uh, you know, the, the important pitching things that happened the day before. You watch it all and tell us, you know, as, as fantasy uh, baseball players, uh, what was important. But not just like, yeah, this person did well. You will tell us like why that person um, did well. So I'm exciting. I'm excited to talk to you about pitching um, today. But before that, I like to ask our guests, um, they're like sports history. Um, when did you start watching sports? Uh, do you have teams, particular sports that you liked? Give us, give us the background on Nick Pollock. Oh, man. Um, grew up in Brooklyn, New York and wanted to be happy at the age of five. So I'm a Yankee fan. I uh, and I, I mean, I want to play baseball forever. I did dabble with some basketball as well. I actually coach basketball now. I okay. um, have for about yeah. a decade, but I I went to college pitching and then the, later became a travel baseball coach for a second and gave pitching lessons and all that stuff. But yeah, pitching is the best. It is the most uh, poetic thing in sports, if you ask me about the constant success and failure in every single event that happens. It's the most human sport I feel because of it. Um, and I've just become addicted to it for, I don't know, for all my life, essentially. So yeah, that's sports are a huge part of me and pitching is the best part of sports. Just, and yeah, unfortunately you're a Yankees fan, but that's, there's so many Yankees <laughs> a, fans who come. I'm a pitching show. fan. I, okay. I'm excited for Toronto this year. I'm I, very I'm, excited. I, I can't wait to see what they do. Yeah, uh, they're they're going to be fun, and they got some pitching uh, in the offseason. They so, did. Uh, it should be good. Let's talk about. I mean, pitching. Yeah, you talked about it's the most like human sport. I mean, the, the first thing I think, you know, I think people who are probably <laughs> tuning into this are probably baseball fans. I, I think that, uh, uh, or at least like casual baseball fans. Mm -hmm. I feel like the big critique baseball gets, and then I think particularly pitching is that it's boring. Um, sure. I completely disagree. Baseball is my favorite sport, but but what do you say to people who you know the casuals who say, yeah, baseball. It's just a little too boring for me. Hey, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that you're wrong. Okay. <laughs> what you like is what you like. And oh, yeah, that's fair. cool. Like what you like. Uh, I will say that generally those that find it boring don't understand it. And with many things in life um, that I am not necessarily super passionate about or don't like, I'm sure I don't truly understand it from the perspective of people who like it. And the reason I love it so much is if you look at baseball and just think of the events, you know, you're just waiting for something to happen, a single to happen or a, a strikeout or whatever. You're not understanding every little micro event that is every single pitch. There's all these decisions being made. The pitcher is trying to execute something. You don't know what they're going to try and do, but they're trying to do a very specific thing. Meanwhile, the batter is trying to come up with what the pitcher is trying to do and then you know, have his own ability of doing that, of actually hitting that ball or not swinging at it. And once you understand the capabilities of both the batter and the pitcher, it, there is this innate tension that's built in between getting the ball back uh, in the pitcher's hand and before he pitches it, where you're calculating everything yourself and you're waiting, you're waiting. It's on a first and second end of the uh, bottom of the eighth inning down by one. Like, was he going to throw right now? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Then release. And then we do it again. And it's constantly going in that way. It's so much fun. Um, 
And once you get into that mindset and grasp the abilities and what is good and what is bad, oh, it is so addicting and it oh, it will grab you. Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. I feel like I've always liked baseball. People will often say baseball is slow. And I actually think that while it can, the whole game obviously is slow, there are these just like constantly these like little moments of like tension um, and like excitement as like, yeah, the pitcher is throwing the ball uh, is, is going to pitch it and, and yeah, figuring out what to pitch. And it, it's very like, I think for somebody who uh, I think, you know, there's um this is a reality TV show network inherently um, uh, big survivor fans and, and all sorts of reality TV. There is something to that, like, thing that is happening between these two people that's so different like it's it is physical ability to be able to do it but there also is this like unique thing that's happening this like strategy and back and forth between the pitcher and the batter that i think is so interesting about you just know, just pitching and baseball. you know grace i mm-hmm. i actually watched i believe the first 25 seasons of survivor yes uh and so i i understand what i liked about survivor versus other yeah. reality shows is that there yes. was a game there was an actual mm-hmm. human game being played here um, that grass that grabbed me more so than any other. So, uh, yes, baseball is the most survival survivor like game there is in sports. I would agree. Yeah, it's like yeah, trying to maneuver uh, an individual. So it's it's fun. Um, what about pitching in the modern era? I feel like uh, you know, you uh, pitcher list as the name suggests. You list pitchers, you rank them, um, and you do this every week. Um, and uh, it's a tool that I certainly use. Um, I want to chat with you about people that you have highly ranked. Um, obviously, sure. you have Garrett Cole ranked number one at the moment um, mm-hmm. as your number one uh, pitcher, but you also have Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Zach. Wheeler, Walker Bueller, Max Scherzer, Jacob Degrom, all in your top one, your, your tier one of, of the pitcher list. Um, what makes, you know, let's maybe you could pick some of them, but like who who in that group are like really good examples of like modern pitching? Like oh, what, yeah. what makes a really good pitcher uh, well, in, in 2022? Might as well start with the greatest pitcher in baseball who isn't at the top of this rank because it's a fantasy purposed one, which is all about also the full season long sure. and just about the fantasy stats of how many innings they throw and all of that stuff. But the, the undeniable best pitcher on the planet is Jacob deGrom for the Mets. Um, and what he does so well is he throws stupid hard. Um, the average fastball is around 92, 93 miles per hour. His last year averaged about 100, which is insane. Uh, triple digits. You hear that and you hear a gasp across the crowd. And he did that all the time. He also did it with such precision. And always throwing to the same spot. And it didn't matter. Um, this is down away from righties and essentially up and into lefties or sometimes even down and into lefties as well. But all on his glove side, right? Not on his arm side, his glove side. I uh, matched it with a slider. And what's kind of nuts is you think about maybe the 80s or the 90s. And it's all these guys with kitchen sink approaches. They have a big curveball. Then you got to have a change up and. Maybe there's a slider in there and there's two types of fastballs. There's a two seamer that, you know, that goes arm side or a fastball that stays a four seamer that stays straight. And DeGrom is such a, um, a representation of the sport saying, look, we recognize that pitchers should be throwing their best pitches more often. And it makes any sense. It goes against that old school method that you need to keep batters honest. But no, DeGrom's four seamer and his slider are two of the best pitches in baseball. And instead of throwing his changeup and his curveball a lot, which are on their own would be the second best pitch for any other pitcher right. in the majors. Right. But because his fastball and slider are that good, he throws those about 90 to 95% of the time combined. 
And he he was so absurdly better than everybody else. Fortunately, he got hurt last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just what he does. It, it, just think of the best pitcher. He throws a pitch that moves a lot with a slider, a, a pitch that goes super hard in the same locations and in, in where he wants to put them whenever he wants them. It's unreal. It's unfair. And uh, you got to if you haven't seen Jacob DeGrom pitch, just watch it and just see how helpless all of the batters are. I love the the GIF breakdowns where, you know, um, and people get mad at me for saying it, uh, pronouncing it GIF. Um, but oh. uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I, ha- I look, I got it. You got to understand my, my company's name is Pitcher Gifts Inc. OK, so uh, we, we have a very official stance on okay. this conversation, but it's all, all right. right. I understand you're loud. Uh, you're allowed to say it differently. It's yeah, the like, owner just passed away. I'm just paying my respects, or the crater of the of uh, the gym. Right, and they and he did, he did yeah. want it as as he gym. wanted as yes. Um, but uh, I love when you watch it and you can see when they like have the exact same like arm slot. The ball's coming out from the exact same yes. location, but it moves in two totally different um directions. And I feel like you know you're talking about like that he throws those two pitches like 90 percent of the time. That's still like it's still something that they have to like figure out. You know. uh Right. He did throw the fastball. He did throw the slider. Right. Yeah. Um, especially if you can figure out how to, you know, not make sure, you know, they come up the exact same slot. Uh, yeah. It's a, yeah. It's so interesting. Um, so DeGrom is, is the best pitch. He's the best pitcher in the world. You don't have him ranked. You don't have him ranked number one. Well, because of, I, I expect him to get, yeah, I expect him to get hurt this year. It's, yeah. it's the, the worst thing that we do is trying to predict how many in, uh, injuries and innings a pitcher will get in the future year. But there are so many indications that DeGrom will not pitch consistently through the year. Um, but he's just one representation. And it, as, as you talked about with this tier, again, what makes baseball so cool is that everybody has the same task, right? You got to throw this ball into this imaginary box. Yes. And everybody does it differently. Let it be how they lift their leg or where their arm comes out, like what release point they have really high up on the side or what pitches they throw. Some guys throw sliders, some throw curveballs and how they throw it and what movement they get on it, what velocity they have and what is their approach when it's a one, one count, what are they throwing? Everyone does it differently. And that's so cool. Mm-hmm. Everyone has their own way of expression inside of the sport. So while Jacob deGrom throws, you know, 95% of his pitches as fast, and sliders then there's corbin burns who has a cutter uh which is kind of like a faster slider that doesn't move as much but goes harder and it's really really hard to hit and he can just kind of throw this all the time and then has three other pitches that also are just filthy in his slider and his curveball and his changeup, and it, it it all works because everyone's just like i don't know what's coming and they're all really filthy and and amazing and it's just both of those guys are fantastic and do it completely differently. Right. Um, it, it's so cool. Um, so you're talking about uh, DeGrom using mostly his fastball, his slider, though he has, does have other stuff he can, he can throw, but maybe he uses it less just because those two pitches are so good. Corbin having quite the repertoire. Um, if you had to like build your perfect pitcher, um, huh. what, what pitches would you, you know, you're talking about like how, how hard the cutter can be to hit. Uh, what right. pitches are you giving your like perfect imaginary? Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, I'm going to give a cop out answer. Um, that's fine. Essentially it's, uh, you want a fastball that you can throw for strikes consistently without getting hit hard. Okay. You, and then you want two secondary pitches, one that you can throw for a strike without getting hit hard. And one that you can consistently get swings out of the zone on. Right. Um, and it doesn't really matter to me which ones those are. Uh, it could be a curveball that you throw for strikes and then a slider you get out of the zone. It could be a change up in there. But as long as you can fit all those three, uh, three check boxes, you're fine. Some guys do it in two, like DeGrom does. 
Uh, but it's, it's as long as you have those three, that's all you need. But that's just because he's, he can throw it so hard. He can throw it exactly where he wants it. Right. And, and get swings and misses on that fastball too, which you normally don't get. Right. So who is the closest approximation to that, to, to the, to, to the repertoire that you just, you just gave? Uh, I would say actually Garrett Cole does a good job with that. Um, with his slider, he has a curveball that he gets for strikes. Same with the changeup. Um, he's the first one that comes to mind. Uh, I'm thinking about those top guys. Like, who am I forgetting right now? Walker Bueller has a lot of secondaries and he does multiple things with that. Mrs. Bats gets called strikes. Fastballs are really, really fantastic ones on his zone. Brandon Woodruff might be actually mm-hmm. um, really good fastball. Um, Changeup and slider both have gotten better at missing bats as well. Uh, it, it's it's hard to get. <laughs> and yep. it's, it's the dream of every pitcher to be able to get a fastball that no one can touch and then having two complementary pitches um, that that do damage as well. Um, this does not seem uh, appear to be coming uh, soon after the uh, negotiations. Which should we all just say like we're so happy that baseball is starting pretty much on time? Like oh, we're so like, thrilled uh, oh a God. week a week back. Um, but uh, there are lots of uh, chatter around the world of baseball about um, like robot umpires, the strike zone. Mm. What is your personal? I guess you know I'm interested. To, about whether you like it or you don't like it. Sure. Um, but more importantly, I think is like uh, how much, how, you know, who does that help? Who does that hurt in terms of uh, some of the pitchers who might be, you know, pitching in the majors? Right. It's funny yeah. you're saying this today because um, this morning I, while watching uh, a guy named Spencer Strider for the, uh, for Atlanta pitch, uh, he did not get a two, two fastball. That was so perfect. And it was such a, you could see his old uh, bat. He was struggling to execute, one really good pitch and he yeah. finally did it. He nailed it down away to a righty fastball, like 97 miles per hour, stuck it and he didn't get the call. Yeah. And I was enraged. I have never been so angry <laughs> because it's just, how dare you take that away from him? Right. Yes. And I stand in favor of robo umps. It's kind of funny. Originally I wasn't because I loved as a pitcher manipulating umpires right. by having a catcher outside Again, of the zone set up uh, and then be yeah. able to get the glove and then throw it closer to the plate to make the, the umpire think it was a strike or not. Right. right. Um, but yeah, right. Yeah. Very, very survivorish. Uh, yeah. But I, but these days I, I believe in actually what they're testing, which is very close to what I want to do, which actually may even be the same thing is an appeal system. Right. Where there are no robo umps until a pitcher requests one or a batter requests it. And you have, you know, you have, unless you have like three fails or whatever, then you can't do it anymore or whatever it is. But that's a very quick, simple way of saying, no, 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 stop. I don't want like the robo ump to give strikes that no one thinks is a strike. Um, that just is a bad experience too. But, and let's not, you know, uh, slow down the game even more. Let's just say, no, no, that was a strike and I'm upset about this. I'm going to use my challenge on it. And then the umpire just presses something and says, oh, okay, yeah, that was a strike. Cool. Strike. You know, or says, nope, sorry, it wasn't. And there's tension is resolved. You know, all the hostility can go away. It's very necessary. I'd be very shocked if that doesn't move forward very quickly within the next even three years in the sport. So expect robo umps in some fashion coming to the majors. That feels like a good step towards probably full of robo umps at some point. <laughs> or at least like, you know, you have an ump back there, but he's just delivering the information that is being fed right. The, the, the one the one conflict with it is that you do get scenarios where like big breaking balls that clip like the very front of the zone that yes. no one actually considers a strike is called one from a robo ump. And we've seen that before in the Atlantic League. 
And it's one, it's why there needs to be some human element to be like, okay, that is a little egregious or not. And that's why I think the appeal system works really well because you still want to have some humanity involved, right? You still want there to be that guy saying, you know, saying the thing and it's from him. And if you get really upset about it, well, we have a solution for that too. Would they not just make the, like, would they, could they just change the strike zone so that when it's a robo, when the, when the, the robot, the AI is like, saying whether it's a strike or not it just has to be a certain percentage of the ball is it or, or just, they've done they, stuff like that but sometimes it's good i mean there's also a certain yeah. angle you could say it's it's hard to exactly nail down um where do you define it is it right at the zone right at the front of yeah. the plate is it at all towards the back is it actually in front of it because that's where contact is made it's Wait, a really hard any, thing to any do sport figured out the like the var the replay i don't know if anybody's yeah. figured it out yet um yeah i mean then you get in the situation where like yeah it's going to be the guys run out of his challenges right or the team right. or whatever and there's going to be that one bad call like we're still going to end up yeah there, but then so. they, they screwed up with their they challenges then that's that's yeah. their fault yeah it's very interesting the like hybrid the hybrid model the challenge model uh i hadn't thought about that that makes i think a lot of i'm sense. all for it yeah i think it's great um well then how does you know um so uh, let's talk about some other. Any, which pitcher are you the most excited about uh, to watch? Uh, perhaps for the full season, uh, you're the most excited to just if you could only you could only watch them. Oh uh, man, Grace, you know this isn't fair. This isn't know. fair at all. Because okay. you watch every pitcher, so yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, it, it's more of I mean, what I like to say a lot is um, the the biggest joy I get. Like, yes, the guys we just mentioned, they're all excellent. They're all amazing fine and that's kind of boring because if you have a story of a hero always succeeds then it's just not really that fun i mean sometimes you like it but you know you need you need more of that human struggle right and the guys that i get most excited about are the new ones the ones that we don't know if they're going to be good or not and then they fully execute to their full potential yeah through the season um, so for me, I mean, I'm really excited to watch a lot of Alec Manoa this year because I think that he can ascend into be a proper ace uh, for Toronto this year. Um, as yeah, we only saw him for about a hundred last year, right? Yeah, we right. saw him for fewer than 120 innings last season, but did a great job. Really amazing slider, really good fastball, and hopefully the changeup can take a step forward, or maybe he's just good enough with those two. Right. Uh, I would love to see that. Um, last year it was Sandy Alcantara, and he's fully ascended now, and. Mm-hmm. He's just a joy for what he does. It just overpowers you with heaters and amazing changeups and sliders too. Um, I'm excited to watch who I call the Irish Panda. That is uh, Patrick Sandoval. Yes, um, who throws the uh, throws a changeup that holds the highest swing strike rate of any pitch in the majors. So 29% of the time when he throws it, it results not only in a swing but also a miss. Uh, Can you tell me insane. You, the uh, pitcher let you you um announced you you like invented a stat a big yes stat. i know you, well you, yeah you, yeah tell the listeners about this, this is i okay I, I feel like i discovered a stat instead okay. of invented one right. like, it's like, you know, like yeah, okay. you have a concoction <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and like right. all right i need to find you this to that <laughs> yeah what happened enough. is i uh, you know one of the major changes in the game in the last decade or so is an understanding of, of granularity, right? And instead of taking this game that we normally talk about this, the results were four to three, this team got 10 hits, this team got eight hits. That's the game level stuff. There was a big revolution in the 80s, 90s, sabermetrics um, that really pushed into, hey, games are comprised of events. So those events are like a grounder or a fly a ball or um, a walk, right? These things that give us a better understanding of how we got that game level stuff. 
Mm-hmm. And in the past decade, we've been given more data on actually the pitches because pitches make up events, right? And uh, so Baseball Savant is this uh, data house for MLB's own data uh, called Sackcast. And they have these things, these little game feeds where you can actually look and monitor the individual pitch types every pitch is throw the pitch is throwing and what the outcomes are. And I do my daily roundup, all 30 pitchers, starting pitchers every day. I write about it. It just allows me to always kind of know what's going on. And I following this on Savant, I kind of noticed that we had this big, you know, um, infatuation with swing strike rate and only that, like if a guy throws a pitch and induces a whiff, that's what matters most. And I saw on some nights that when there was a low swing strike rate number, it's okay because he had a high called strike number. And uh, I, I eventually was like, Oh, well, let's just throw them together. Well, if they're around like 30%, that generally means that they have a good start. And I kind of just, I called CSW and kind of just like did the thing and didn't really think too much about it. And that was in 2017. And then by the time 2019 rolled around, my co-host of the podcast, Alex fast was like, Hey Nick, I think this is actually like something no one's ever done and important. And I go, oh, really? And he goes, yeah, let me, can I write something? Because sure, sure, sure. So he wrote this whole article showcasing how it's better, it's more predictive than other major stats we're using, including swing strike rate. And we won an FSWA award for it. MLB now uses it on that site, Savant, called CSW. Wow. It's, it's hilarious to me. I feel like someone else already created it. Uh, I just happened to be there and just shoved them together because like, yeah, well, you, you know, this was low, but this was high and it evens out and that's fine. Um, so yeah, CSW, it's, it's our stat then. Um, we invented it. It's cool. And it's really helpful because it's a net positive for the pitcher. Anytime you get a called strike or a swing strike, it is a good thing. It is a strike for the pitcher. Right. And that's always a good thing. So it's a good showcase of skill uh, for pitchers. Yeah, that's incredible. So fun. It's wild. Found a stat uh, (laughs) out there. Yeah. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's a big week when RHAP is on the road in Chicago. Check out my live show from Chicago. That's going to be up on Thursday, Wednesday night. Shannon Gus is going to be live with you with Kelly Wentworth after Survivor. And we preview the Dondi finale with Deal or No Deal Island host Joe Manganiello all right here on RHAP. We know reality TV. I'd love to talk about a little bit about stats uh, sure. in the modern era. There's been a big, you know, I think baseball sort of at the forefront of these like uh, deep analytics, um, uh, you know, and yet, uh, you, know, you, you know, talking a lot uh, to you as somebody, you, you write a lot about fantasy uh, baseball and your uh, pitcher list is, is certainly uh, revolves around fantasy baseball. And a lot of uh, you know the leagues that I'm in are still, you know, very much using, um, you know, ERA whip, but what are some right. of the other indicators um, that you really rely on? Uh, sure. In terms of, um, yeah. Whether a pitcher is, is, um, 
Great. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of wild. Like um, when I got into this, um, fantasy baseball players were the only ones that cared about super metrics for the most part. Right. Because uh, we were just trying to win our fantasy leagues, you know? Yeah. yeah. And nowadays, I... It's a, it's becoming more of a baseball site now because all these things are leaking out into the actual sport. Um, to, to say, oh, yeah, right. We, this can help us winning. It's just all analytics are and everything. It's just more information. It's just a way to describe if they're good or bad. Um, which is innately what all of us want to be able to do. So I, you know, yeah, right. Or just yeah. mediocre. Maybe they're yeah. just there and that's cool, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I uh, these days, I mean, that we're again, we're vo- focusing more so on the granular pitches themselves a lot. Uh, and we can do some really fun things with that. Um, one actually that um, has been really interesting to me is uh, there's a lot of talk about exit velocity and launching the last five years or so. Mm-hmm. Essentially, that just says when a batter makes contact, what is the angle goes off and off the bat, right? Is it going straight right. into the ground? Is it going into the air where that then has potential to be a home run? Um, and then how hard is it? Exit velocity is the, like the nerdiest way you could say how hard was the ball, right? right. Like he crushed that ball. No, no. What was his exit velocity? Yeah, that's it's right. like, oh God, why can't we come up with something else better? But anyway, <laughs> yeah. um, so if like exit velocity is above 95 miles per hour, um, Alexander Chase, I uh, kind of really noticed, I mean, that's what we call barrels a lot or 95 plus. Mm-hmm. But Alexander Chase was like, wait, wait, hold on a second. As an industry, um, we're noticing that we are only doing that over batted ball events. That is only when a batter hits the ball, are we looking at how hard it is? But what we should be doing is saying, wait, instead of just calculating like what percentage of times they hit the ball, we should be doing it over how many times they go to the plate in the first place. You know, when I, when I go up to bat, right, let's say I go up to the plate a hundred times and I hit the ball just once, right. And I crush it. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Good job, Nick. I have a 100% barrel rate right. or I have a 1% hard contact rate, which is essentially a barrel rate, but over plate appearances instead. And that tells two vastly different yeah. stories. Yeah. And I think the both of us know that the more important one is the 1%, right? Just saying when I go to the plate, how often am I crushing the ball or not? Right. Um, so we've actually shifted to that on our site. Savant uses the uh, bad ball event, we now have StackCast data, and that's actually one that we're showing is a really cool one for us to be able to say how much hard contact does this pitcher allow over plate appearances? How much does this batter hit per plate appearance? And it's a very, very good way of quickly grasping um, this innate skill that's been really, really hard for us to calculate over the years. So that's one that you should definitely be on the lookout for that. Um, if you're listening, I mean, you're probably ahead of so many people now <laughs> yeah. because you know about yeah. hard contact percentage. Yeah. That's a really, really yeah. cool one. And it's not that like, you know, hitting the ball really, the few times you do is not some indicator of something like, it, you know, there, there could be potential. There's potential that, you know, if you could hit the ball more, uh, you could hit it really hard. So you just have to, right. you know, that player has to work on hitting. And then you can look for those trends, right? I feel like so much of like, um, you know, listening uh, to you is like, you know, uh, seeing if they're figuring out, especially pitchers, like figuring out they're seeing like, you know, there's their improvement on their, you know, on their change up a pitch that they, they need right. uh, in terms of their arsenal is their improvement from, from uh, start to start. And especially in fantasy, that might be something that, yeah, I, I'll roster on my team. I'm not going to start him. This is a really interesting thing. I think I learned, um, which seems maybe very simple, but in terms of uh, the more I was listening to you folks is like, you can have players on your team, on your fantasy team that you don't start 
uh, you, you don't start them all the time, right? Like depending on who they're up against or, or mm-hmm. um, whatever, what are some of the things that you, uh, you look into in terms of like, uh, you know, a, a player's upcoming matchup when you're looking at um, their ranking, their like their, their schedule uh, coming up. Yeah, that's a, um, I'm weird in that uh, a lot of guys have these you know massive spreadsheets where they look at, okay, home road splits. They look at park factors a ton park factors being like, uh, oh, Yankee Stadium has a really short wall and right. So it's going to allow more home runs than, say, right field in San Francisco, which has this giant brick wall um, and is super, super far back in right center field. Right. Those, that's what park factors are for the most part. Things like that. Um, it could say maybe altitude too for Coors Field or whatever it is um, that just influences whether balls are going to be home runs or doubles or whatever they are. Yep. I, so those things do matter a little bit. Park factors. I don't focus so much on um, batter versus pitcher matchups. I think a lot of people do. I generally find it to be random groupings or um, too small of a sample size. I mean, generally for the most part, home road splits themselves are just noise. You take 10 games and you just divvy them up in half you're gonna have, you know, it's very rare for like a guy with a three, five year rate to have a three, five year rate home and a three, five year rate on the road. You know, there's going to be a difference. Right. Um, regardless. So I, I generally throw those away. For me, the most important thing, um, I mean, there, I guess the two things is like, okay, hey, what is the offense or the other pitcher? So it's a really, I hate to, you know, bash on the Orioles, but. It's what we do. Definitely. If it's a really bad Orioles pitcher, yeah. uh, yes, I am more inclined to start my offense against that pitcher, right? right. Um, on the other side of it, if I'm if I'm starting a, a guy and he goes against the Pirates, then great, that's a really bad offense, and he has a higher chance now. Right. However, that's not everything. There there are a lot of conditions of okay, is this a team that will allow this guy to throw 85, 90 pitches in this game or not? You know, a lot of the Rays guys are limited to like 70 pitches or so. And that doesn't make me inclined to want to take a chance on this. So annoying drafting Rays pitchers. Oh, man. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so annoying. I, yeah. yeah. The, uh, the other factor that I, I think is my secret sauce or my thing is because I write about every single performance by every starting pitcher through the year. Um, I'm more attuned or at least I feel like I have my my thumb on the pulse of of how they are performing in that current moment. Right. And where they are with their pitches in season, how in rhythm are they? And that really influences my probabilities of success failure. So that's the first thing I focus on. Like, how is this guy feeling right now? Because yeah, it's not it like a death sentence. If you go against the Astros, like doesn't yeah. mean you're all of a sudden going to be terrible. It feels you know, very like doctor to me in terms of like, mm. you know, form, you know, uh, is a thing, a thing that I don't think is like totally, you know, uh, is this guy in good form at the moment? I feel like, mm. uh, you know, it probably works in baseball more than, any, you know, pitchers are still pitching roughly every five days or so. But uh, right. I mean, that's not a ton of time in between pitching. It's, uh, pitchers pitch a lot, you know, they, uh, they really do. Yeah. Uh, in a, in a, a sport that has 162 games a season, you know, uh, so I think it's a very good, uh, that makes a lot of sense that, it, yeah, it's a, uh, how is he feeling at the, at the moment? You know? Right. Yeah. It's, it's really hard. It's the hardest thing that we do is, okay, because he did good today or did well today, does that mean he's going to do well tomorrow? I don't know. Right. We try to analyze that. But again, they're humans. You know, we're all humans here. And we all know that we have our good days and bad days. And sometimes we're just feeling it for a while and then we're not. And it is so hard to tell. Uh, so we hope that we can pull something out of these starts and make us feel more confident or not as confident. 
Yeah, I mean, so you're talking a little bit how, you know, you kind of throw um, home and road splits away. It doesn't, you know, mm-hmm. not play a huge factor uh, for you. Um, I wanted to ask you, is, is there anybody on this list that you think, uh, you know, um, or a major league pitcher who has changed teams that you think that is going to have either a really positive or a really negative uh, impact on their on their um, sure. On their season? Um, I would like to think that Alex Cobb going to San Francisco is going to do good things because he has that giant brick wall trademarked in, uh, in uh-huh. San Francisco, uh, helping him prevent home runs and right, which is already a skill he has. Right. You also have Brandon Crawford at short, who is a really fantastic, um, defender. Um, you also have Steven Matz going to the St. Louis Cardinals. And that's the one that's often talked about this offseason because the Cardinals defense is the best in the majors. And what do you know? Having a good defense helps the pitcher. So uh, we hope to see good things there. I'm sure you miss him a little bit. He gave you yeah. some good innings last year. He was a nice uh, nice little surprise. Um, I mean, I feel pretty good about the Toronto Blue Jays uh, rotation heading into the season. But right. anytime you like lose somebody who, who was yeah. quite good, well, you're like, yeah. we'll see how that number five spot. Uh, figures itself out. Kikuchi maybe will be good enough. And then there's yeah. Ross Stripling and it's not going to be Pearson. I'm very sorry. I think he's just going to be a reliever and that's cool. I, yeah, I am a little disappointed that the Nate Pearson, he has not shown himself to be the start, the starter that we kind of all thought he was going to be. Uh, but that's okay to have a, a good uh, bullpen beast. Not every, you know, not every prospect uh, becomes a superstar. So that's why not? That's I know. Not fair. I, I wish. I wish. Yeah. <laughs> What's the best rotation in the MLB? Oh, uh, there's a lot of debate about this right now. Yeah, but the Nick Pollock um, opinion—that's the, the one Nick Pollock opinion, which does not matter in the slightest. I—I <laughs> I mean, I really okay. Once Aaron Ashby becomes a Brewer, and if he replaces Adrian Hauser, it's really hard, or not becomes a Brewer, becomes a starter for the Brewers. Right. There's oh, there's a lot of hype around that for me. Um, there's some talk. You could even say like. Uh, you can make a case for even like the the Giants with how much how complete they are there. You have the top three in New York with the Mets of Degrom and Scherzer and Bassett, and that's kind of silly. You can say the Marlins with uh, Sandy Alcantara, Trevor Rogers, Pablo Lopez, Edward Cabrera just started today was throwing ninety eight, and he's the sixth. See if Jesus Lazardo is throwing ninety seven. I would be and so happy Eliezer, if the Marlins you know? could like put it together at some some. They are it's so like, close. They're close. It's insane. You know? Yeah, it, uh, they really, really, really are. I, yeah, there's there's so many good rotations. I mean, Atlanta has a really good one, say for their fifth spot, which is who knows. Um, the Dodgers obviously are always in that conversation, but they are a little bit more shaky on the back end. The Padres theoretically have an amazing one, but yeah. it all fell apart last year. But Musgrove, Darvish, Snell. Um, Nick Martinez will hopefully get some innings. There's another major guy I'm completely forgetting there. Uh, and you also maybe Mackenzie Kors showing up again. Oh, Clevenger returning. Jeez. That's yeah, such a yeah, good true. rotation. Yeah. So. Yeah. That could be fun. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it could be. And with the, you already mentioned the Giants and the Dodgers. That could be a really fun. That's uh, NL West. Oh. It's going to be fun again, I think. Yeah. Don't ignore uh, the Padres. They got really, really hurt last year. I mean, then again, now with Tatis is out for half the year, but yeah. That sucks. Yeah. Not fair. To the, the, like, the finally a cover, you know, star for the MOB. Right. <laughs> for oh, half, man. Half the year. Could they only took. Could they the only took James Fields just I know, being yeah. the worst. Can the Angels get there? I mean, I think could that's we, the best we, thing. Yeah, well, we need Mike Trout and Shohei Otani in the playoffs. We really do. Right? The two best players in baseball yeah. can't make the playoffs. It's brutal. It's sad. It's so sad. 
Um, yeah. Uh, any other interesting story, like any interesting stories people might want to be like watching any players in particular that you're like, just very intrigued by, uh, their, their season. Um, oh man. I, yeah, it's really funny. Cause I know that there are 20 million storylines and yeah. I just obviously hit a blank, uh, when you ask that. No, that's a, I, it's too big of a question. You know, I mean, I will say I am so excited to watch Max Scherzer and Jacob deGrom, um, in New York. I, I think that's going to be so much fun. Um, I'm curious how Gasman does for your Jays. Uh, there's been a lot of yeah. talk about him moving from the Giants away from that amazing place to Toronto. Maybe they're good. I in it like not maybe they're good. I mean, is it okay being a pitcher inside the AL East and Toronto? Unclear. Um, yeah, I mean, um, the Jays have a little bit of this, like, uh, been able to work a little bit of magic. At least Robbie Ray uh, came last year and really, you know, sure. ended up winning the Cy Young. Um, people wonder how much uh, there's some Pete Walker magic, although there's, you know, Pete Walker uh, unfortunate incident the other day. So, we'll oh, see God. Come, yeah, that's not good. That was, uh, of course, the Castellanos yeah. hit his yeah. first hit during that. <laughs> during the uh, Pete Walker DUI apology. Went, um, you know, somebody, uh, somebody tweeted uh, right after Will Smith slapped Chris Rock. I saw uh, this. And then, like during Will Smith's speech, <laughs> uh, somewhere Nick Cassianos just stepped into a batter's box, and it's yeah. just, it's one of the funniest things. I'm. Uh, I also saw oh the, uh, the Will amazing. Smith the catcher uh, hitting a home run with the yes, audio over That was yeah. great. That um, was, yeah, but Kevin Gosman, I do. It's a, a guy apparently they've been really interested in the the Jays uh, front office for a very long time. Very intrigued by his uh, staff. Hmm. They had a really good year uh, with the Giants, but they they see something. Uh, have seen something in him for years. So I, I do think uh, right. uh, yeah, it could be a really interesting uh, individual uh, to watch. You uh, have I'm also not just saying that because I'm a Toronto Blue. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, I'm I'm yeah. looking forward to it. It. Um, yeah. You also see is Robbie Ray going to keep it up now that he's in Seattle and Seattle is a really fun team to watch. If you're kind of jumping into it, and you don't really know who to root for root for the Mariners, man. Um, they have not made the world series uh, and they, uh, they have a, the longest playoff drought in baseball at the moment. Yes. Yeah, since um, 2001, the last time. And unreal. And that was the team that set records for the regular season wins in 2001. Yeah. And they lost by who? Oh yeah. The Yankees. Sorry. Um, but I, uh, they they have so many fascinating young guys. Uh, Julio Rodriguez is rumored to be um, starting opening day in center field for them. Oh, and yeah. rumored. I don't know. It's not, it's like one of these weird spring whispers that happen. But he's one of the top prospects in the game. You have two very exciting pitching prospects in George Kirby and Matt Brash for them. Robbie Ray is now there. You have this exciting offense. That uh, they, they almost made it to the to the playoffs last year. Yeah, they were. I was yeah. in terms of uh, being the Jays were in the in the playoff race last year. Came down to uh, is oh the last God. day or the or the, or the hundred. Pretty. I mean, I think it was they needed to win all three or something along they those did, lines. They did yeah. win and 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 yet they did not make it in. I think was what right. happened that day. They they won, but that wasn't enough because uh, I think the Red Sox uh, won and another team also won. Uh, but the Mariners were so annoying to me uh, <laughs> at the end of last season. Um, just being like this team that like maybe was like overachieving by quite a bit. And, and oh yeah, and we I all would, that staff was so bad. Yeah, that was and, not a good pitching staff. And I wouldn't have been, you know, upset to see them in there only to just like if they had it done at the expense of the Toronto Blue Jays, which they, you know, didn't end up doing. But yeah, they, they're very fun. I uh, am excited to see what best do, best uh, team to miss the playoffs in a very long time. The Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. So um, sorry. 
No, it's okay. Uh, I want to chat a little bit about some of the other rules. Uh, pitch clocks. How do you how sure. does that how does that affect pitchers? Oh man! So on one side of it, I kind of dig it because I understand yeah. there there's some pitchers that really really embellish this. Sure. I um, mean, keep in mind um, the pitch clock is not in place uh, with runners uh, on base. Oh right. So, right. Um, so keep that in mind because that's actually. When it comes to a pitch clock, um, the biggest ramification that I don't really see talked about too much is the fatigue element. Mm-hmm. Uh, pitchers take their time, not just for the sake of having a lemonade on the mound. That's because they're tired and they don't want to overexert. And if you have a pitch clock, that means they're pitching quicker, which means they get less rest, which means there's more damage done to their body um, when they do pitch. Now, um, it's only applied with bases empty, however. And the strenuous innings, the ones where they throw a lot of pitches in an inning where they need that rest the most, well, that means they're guys on base and yeah. that won't be applied there. So right. that's okay. That, that I'm fine with that. Um, I honestly never dealt with it when I pitched. I, I am someone who I get so much of a dopamine hit pitching mm-hmm. that I just wanted, I want to uh, pull the lever as much as I can. Right. Right. So I'm not, I'm not taking my time out there. I'm like, let's go. Let's go. One of the next pitch. I want to keep going. <laughs> uh, I really uh, love uh, Mark Burley was a player for the Toronto Blue Jays. Oh, yeah. Who was just like, give me the so ball. Okay, throw it. Give me the ball. Throw it. Yep. He was great. I loved it. Yeah, yeah. Charlie Morton does that a lot now. And yeah. I, I adore Adam Wainwright. A lot of these older guys are very much in that rhythm. Um. Yeah. So, oh, that's a very interesting. So no runners on base. I guess that also makes sense. Is there anything to do with uh, that? It would be easier to steal bases with a pitch clock. Is that? Well, but then easy? not on base. So that's, what that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Why they're not going to have it? Yeah. So anyway, yeah. Um, and uh, the extra innings rule uh, seemed like it was gone, and now it's back. Um, the ghost runner um, on second. I mean, uh, we've mostly been talking about starting pitchers uh, today, right. but uh, relievers who uh, come in during these extra inning games with the the runner base. How, how much do you think it affects uh, those? I mean, certainly added pressure on the on the on the pitcher right away. Um, I don't know. Do you like it? Dislike it? So. Uh, Uh, i should hate it i know that's kind of how i feel yeah but okay i have i have memories of like i have to go to an event but i've been watching this entire game and now it's extra innings and i can't leave it now yeah and it goes and goes and goes and then finally someone hits a home run in the 16th inning and i gotta say no one is happy it's going to the 12th inning going to the 13th inning it's it's so frustrating and the ghost runner it's an even thing yeah. You know, every and yeah. it speeds up the game. The players want it. The players are right. sick of the game. They are so tired. They don't sure. want a 19 inning affair. You're 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 blowing out bullpens. It affects everybody so negatively. I kind of dig it. Yeah. And I I know as a baseball purist, many are gonna hate it and like I shouldn't feel this way as someone that, that writes about it and everything, but it just like forget about the purity of this. This is such an effective way of solving this problem of so of these games taking just forever. Yeah, and it's a good rule. I'm sorry. I I totally I agree with you. I think that like yeah, it feels weird to like it, but I I like it. The, you know, again again, it applies to both teams equally. Uh, you know, the game will be over and it'll be fun. Uh, it's fun. Uh, you know, if you're right. in innings anyway, you're basically probably going to get you know you're going to get a walk off or the like you know the closer or or somebody a reliever closing out the game so i think it's fun uh, I, th- I think it's fine yeah it messes um, up like 
like stats honestly is the weirdest thing yeah do, do they there's get no for another run right yeah it's just there's no instance before with stat databases i uh, yeah. with because you gotta understand like how it works as a pitch is an event so a pitch happens and from there this event happens and nothing yeah. can be outside of it but here we are creating a man on second without a pitch creating it wait a second it breaks everything yeah you're like rb do you get an rbi yeah, yeah you do you get a run you get yeah, but you the, the the pitcher isn't charged with it. It's as if it's an error, so it's an unearned run. You but get you the lose run, the game without because you were the last out. <laughs> it's the worst. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah it, it messes up stats databases. But you know what? Deal you with it. Figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess the other two rule changes. I'm uh, very uh, the, the DH in the in the uh, National League uh, is here, right? I believe this season. Yes. Yeah, this season. It's um, here. That obviously, you know, there was a lot of, uh, you know, there's always talk of, you know, do you want to, is it, you know, we're talking about the AL East problem of, uh, with Kevin Gosman in terms of like, yeah, you got to face all the AL East teams. Um, all, all pretty much, you know, four, at least four really good offenses, um, four good teams, um, all have a DH, right? You don't get that break in the lineup. And now the National League will deal with that, uh, as well. Uh, how do you foresee that like affecting, uh, some National League? Uh, yeah. Some guys. Some guys want to push down rankings of National League guys because, yeah, you have to face a tougher batter twice now. I mean, we were going to say twice. If you get the three off in full, that's great. You did a yeah. good job. Yeah. Uh, so it's two tougher batters, right? Right. Um, I don't really want to. I think they'll kind of adapt. Honestly, I know it sounds kind of weird, but I don't think that their ability is, you know, yes, they did get this free out or so. But I think they were still very much capable of dealing with the other guys. And not to mention, it's not like you're sticking in David Ortiz for every single lineup now. Right. Like a lot of these teams don't have that definitive DH that they want to fit in anyway. Yes. Um, so it's not a huge deal in that way. And honestly, the pitcher was such a bad offensive uh, hitter. I mean, it really so dead like so bad it was such a wasted thing for, i'm very happy know, that they have this not to mention fewer injuries own, too. home run or a madison bumgarner like yeah know, that's you know and we were, yeah. we were very rarely getting that you know yes um i think the things the things we love about baseball are like the little weird things uh yeah know, at least kept, you know uh well that was fun that that hitter hit a or a pitcher hit a home run we'll find other stuff that will be like super absolutely there's baseball. this game does not have uh a, a shortness shortness short supply of amazing moments Let's just go right. with that. Right. A deficit. Uh, yeah. yeah. And then, uh, and then, uh, the, the last one for me is, uh, these expanded, uh, postseason, uh, mm. uh, 12 team, uh, postseason. Are you excited by an expanded postseason? How, how do you feel? I, I mean, <laughs> as a fan of a team who, uh, just barely missed last year, uh, <laughs> I think I kind of <laughs> like it. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's an argument to be made that as a Toronto Blue Jays fan, it's actually a bad thing to have more teams in the playoffs as a team that I think could do really well and could win the AL East and uh, see, make okay. it in, right? Okay. Uh, you could make the argument that it's fun. I, I like expanded playoffs. I, I think it's fun. Um, I think the playoffs are some of the most fun, fun baseball. Um, you know, I can see the argument for, and I think it means more teams are, are uh, you know, will be competitive. More teams are uh, competing at the end of the season. I, I think it's a good thing, but I certainly can see. I, I kind of don't want to go past 12. I would imagine they're going to go past 12 at some point. They'll bump it up to 14. Um, that feels like a lot, like almost half the league sure. making the playoffs. And there's something so elite about baseball playoffs, uh, something that I think has been very special about the sport. But Interesting. I kind of okay, like yeah. it. I kind of like mm -hmm. it. 
So cool. Um, do I have a permission? Do I have permission to rant for a moment? Yeah, you rant. Yeah, <laughs> go for it. Um, I think it's amazing. I love yeah. it. I uh, here's the thing. Do you remember in 2020 how many teams were in the playoffs? Yeah, 16. Uh, 16. Yeah, 16. 16. And guess what happened? The best team in the AL, the uh, Tampa Bay Rays, faced the best team in the NL, the yeah. Dodgers. It all ended the right way because. What do you know? They're still good teams and they won. And it yeah. gave us things like the Marlins in the playoffs beating the Cubs. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And I, I gotta say, as someone who enjoys a sport so much, there is nothing like playoff baseball. It is so incredible. Every single pitch matters. I'm the kind of guy, it's the bottom of the fourth, a 1-1 one, one count, two outs, man, no men on base. I am pumping my fists at that 1-2 strike, right? Yeah. I yeah. am excited for that. Every single thing matters there. And if you're going to give me more of it, awesome. I understand the worry about like, look, you're going you're gonna to make the, the regular season not matter. Yes and no. You're going to make this regular season matter for a lot of teams that it didn't matter for before. Instead right. of all these teams that are just selling for a 79 win season, all of a sudden, if you get to 83 or so, you can get it. And under my proposition, if you elect me commissioner, yes. I would make it that if you finish the season above 500, that means if you're an 82 wins team or higher, you make the playoffs. Oh, and wow. we can. We can then adapt division changes or whatever we need to do to make is that if you win your division, then you have buys until a certain amount of teams exist. You can make it so that you get an extra game if you want. If you're the third division winner, not as pristine as the first two, but if you're the third, that means that you will get an extra uh, buy or a, a better series, whatever it is. There are so many ways to structure that that is flexible for 10 teams, make it for nine, maybe even seven do in one year. You can yeah. make an amazing playoff system just with that, which turns this crazy thing into the same competitive nature, but also means that at the top, you got to get those buys. You got to avoid these early series. Right. But then you have middle range teams actually spending money and making trades at the deadline instead of everybody selling. It makes for a much, much more exciting experience. Fans love it. They all they want is their team to be in the playoffs. The only ones that hate it are these purists that hated the slider. <laughs> they hated, you know, getting rid of the slide at second base. I, I mean, they, they, they hated instant hamburgers. replay. Like, them. get rid of all, like, stop this. <laughs> get excited. If you want baseball to be popular, make the popular things more consistent and existing more in the game. Give exposure to more players. Look, I get it. Yeah. I, I told you it was going to be a rant. I get it that like on Sundays, football day, that's what happens. Look, if you are a, uh, a Buffalo Bills fan, you're actually going to watch the one o'clock game and then watch the Bills at four. You watch other team sports because it's football day. That doesn't yeah. happen in baseball. You just watch the Jays if you're generally a Toronto fan. You're not going to watch many other teams. I watch everybody because I'm crazy, but that's just, you know, that's what the natural baseball fan does. But what the playoffs does is yeah. it then gives all this exposure to all the players that you didn't know about the entire year in this wonderful stage. And all the announcers talk about how good Sonny Gray was this year for the athletics. And oh, Sonny Gray, he goes six innings, one and run. And he becomes a storyline that nobody knew sitting in Cleveland. It's those opportunities that just don't happen in the sport. And the more that we can expand the playoffs, the better it is for the game. 
rant over, do it. No, that's great. I love that. I think it's uh, I think the idea that you just have to win 82 games is really interesting. Like no other league, you know, there's no sports league that I think would that would be really uh, a really interesting uh, thing to do. There's probably at least one listener who's like, well, I really wanted to get rid of Rob Manfred. But if we're going to like Nick, Pock, I think I'm out. I think I'm out. Uh, but uh, totally got it. I think that's fun. I think it's really fun. I think also like, you know, uh, these people who talk about like, uh, you know, the, the, the losing the DH, there's a lot of the like, Oh, the strategy, you know, like we're losing the strategy. Nah, you know where you get that the happened like three times a season for a manager. Get out of here. You know where we get the most interesting strategy in the playoffs. Uh, there you go. The most interesting strategy. Uh, they make weird decisions. You know, you'll see the starter come out and close the game. Uh, Do you remember you know? Wade Miley throwing five pitches for the Brewers? Yeah. That's Do you remember right. that? Is that insane? Right. They surprised yeah. them. They changed their lineup to go against Wade Miley. So they put in righties and they took out the lefty after five pitches. Right. Yeah. Put in righties. That's where you get <laughs> the weirdest uh, managerial decisions. It's the most oh, fun strategy, that. right? They save all their like secret cards for the playoffs, you know? So uh, yeah, it's fun. I think, uh, yeah. Expanded playoffs. I'm, I'm all in on expanded playoffs. Yes. Uh, you know, yeah, I've, I've, yeah, it's the little small purist thing in me. The historian is like, yeah, you maybe you don't have to go more than 12, but if they do it, I'll be like, okay, that's fine. I get to watch more baseball. It's yeah, fine. It's, yeah. Oh man. And I, I don't know why the players really pushed back on it. Honestly, I think for them, it'll only be good for them. You know, you get bonus money for making the playoffs and doing things. And you get a chance to win the world series, you know? Gosh, they play too much baseball, probably, right? That's the thing. Like, uh, like maybe they just play, want, they don't want to make playoffs, the playoffs or done. <laughs> yeah. If you lower the games of the season, they're like, no, we're not going to do that either. So, right, right. Two games. We need 80, we need 81 home games. So, um, <laughs> and the balance, actually, the balance schedule, uh, that's interesting. I feel like there's more and more things. The, the schedule changed this year where you're not playing, right. you, you play every other team. And that, that will be very interesting. Certainly will affect, you know, uh, I think it's really cool. I think, I, think I really, I, I love it. I, I, I think it doesn't happen enough and i i think that is part of the notion of hey let's give some exposure for the you know the yankees are going to now learn about every other team at some point if you just watch every yankee fan or uh, we watch every yankee game as a yankee fan so or a game of series you know that's what some people right. do that now um yeah it's really interesting and i think paving the way for expansion and the blowing up oh there needs it needs to happen we need 32 teams yeah it's just we need better math <laughs> where would you put them where would you put them uh you got to give one to nashville Okay. Um, Interesting. And the minor league team, right? That's the, uh, the, the sounds. Is that uh, the, the Nashville sounds? Is that, Oh man. I my, don't know. Minors uh, no, at that's all. okay. This is uh, me playing road to the show. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there's two, there's two places. Okay. Outside of Nashville, I just feel like that just is going to happen. Um, I kind of want Charlotte. Um, I would also want like Oklahoma city. Okay. Um, or like Omaha or something like that. I, I feel like the, the Midwest needs something down there. Yeah, that's fair. Um, You've angered every you know, Montreal uh, listener on the pod. But oh, fine. God, how could I forget Montreal? <laughs> that's fine. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, whatever. It's fine. No, yeah. no. Yeah. I, I, I kind of just already was like, oh, yeah, well, duh, Montreal. I've already like right. knocked that one away. These are the other teams competing for the other one. Nashville, Charlotte. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, just not uh, just not Las Vegas. Yeah, I, well, yeah, but, you know, they're going to put a team in Las Vegas. <laughs> I know, I don't yeah. want that. Yeah. Um, all right, this is so funny. Is there anything else we didn't talk about from pitching before we play a little game, Nick? It's it's the best, and if you want to learn more about it, just check out uh, the Pitcherless YouTube channel. I break down pitchers and stuff, and just ask questions. Gotcha. 
Yeah, Nick is great. The Discord is great. Uh, I've been doing uh, in several drafts, and I've asked many a question in the Discord, and people answer and give very helpful baseball, fantasy baseball advice. So it's oh, very I hope you win now. <laughs> yeah, if you want to be in a community full of other, uh, full of other fantasy baseball fans, and baseball fans in general, uh, it's a great, yeah. a great uh, community. All right, let's play a little game. Or it's this let's podcast it. will drop on opening day. So I have a little opening day quiz for you, Nick. Oh no! Yeah, that's okay. So <laughs> I'm gonna lose. It's gonna be great. Here's what we'll do. I will give you a question. Uh-huh. You can answer it for two points, or you can have the multiple choice, and I'll give Ooh, you one. for one. Yeah. Okay. That's yep. fair. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's start. Which team has the best opening day winning percentage? Oh, I thought I knew this. Um. Oh man. All right. I'm going to take the multiple choice. All right. So you have the New York Yankees, yeah. New York Mets, or the Cincinnati yeah. Reds. Oh, man. It's the Reds. It's the New York Mets. Surprise. Oh, that was like, actually. Oh, yeah. I thought you threw in the Reds. There's no way you would have just thrown in the Reds. Oh, it is the Mets. Dang I think it. the Mariners weirdly have like number two. Uh, but yes, yeah, the New York Mets have like a 600 winning percentage in opening day. How uh, dare they? Yeah, I know. That was a good, I didn't even really realize. I, I thought I, I mean, that is that is the most Mets thing, by the way. Yeah, be like, give you some <laughs> excitement early on, and be like, now nah, we're not coming through. It very much is. Uh, Rob's sister, you know, uh, famously, of Rob is a podcast big Mets fan, and uh, oh, I'm sorry. Hopefully, hopefully this year, maybe some. They're the little though. brother to us yeah. Yankee fans. Yeah. Um, all right. Which player has thrown the only no hitter on opening day? Oh, 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 oh. Um, Oh, wait, wait. <laughs> oh, come on. This was, was this somewhat recently? No, not recently. No, it, no. not recently. No. Oh, then, all right, multiple choice then. <laughs> right. Bob Feller, Lefty Grove, or Hal Newhouser? Yeah, definitely not recent. Okay. Not recent. <laughs> the, the 40s, I think. Yeah. Um, let's go with Bob Feller. It is Bob Feller. Yes. Through the only no hitter on opening oh. day. Yeah. All right. Um, Got one. At least, at least I'm leaving here with one point. At least I'm happy. That's right. Now. That's right. Uh, okay, this one I actually can't give you multiple choice, but I could give you some. All right, fair enough. No, that's no, that's okay. It's okay. I'll, I I'll need you to name it. a player who's hit three home runs on opening day. Delman. Oh no 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 wait 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 wait. I I knew you'd say this, and I was like, oh, who was the guy for the Tigers? It might have yeah. been Delman Young, but wait, no, it's not. It's um. Oh oh, I know it. Come on. Come on. I remember this like it was on ESPN and it's like, oh, is he projected to be, you know, over X amount of home runs because of that first day? Um, you're so cl- you're c- so close. You're I know so it's, close. it's, is it? Oh man. Wait, I, I just, I know the guy. I know the guy. <laughs> All right. What's his name? What's his name? Uh, Delman Young. Is it Delman Young? But no. It's, it's not Delman Young, but it's very close to Delman I, Young. Uh, he perhaps Eric, is, a, is a sibling of Delman Young. Eric Young? It was Dimitri Young. Dimitri Young! Oh! Dimitri Young. Yeah. Oh, that was it? Yeah. No! Younger brother oh. of Delman Young. Do yeah. I get 0. 0.5 points? Yeah, I'll give you 0. 0.5. Yeah. <laughs> uh, George Bell, uh, Carl Rhodes, and Matt Davidson hit three home runs a few seasons ago. Uh, oh, is that right? Bell. For the White, for Sox, the White yeah. Sox, yeah, I remember he hit the ball hard. Yeah, he had such a high hard uh, yeah. home run fly ball rate. Dimitri, uh, Dimitri Young. Young, I knew it. I saw it in my head. I know, and like the beard, and that, oh yeah, oh that was amazing. That was fun. Uh, half a point. Uh, okay, I'm gonna th- I'm gonna throw you back to the la- like last season. Do you, do you remember who Sweet. hit the first home run of the 2021 season? Uh, oh man, I remember. I think it was in 2019. 
Um, I think that was Ian Happ, but maybe that was last year. No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't last year because Sandow Katara started this one. That was the funniest thing ever. The first pitch of the year, Jose Reina threw it to Ian Happ and it was gone. And yeah, I was like, welcome yeah. to the Marlins, baby. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. Um, who hit the first home run? It was um, a nice I, snowy day last year. Uh, there was a, a, a home, first home run of the season. I, if you're going to say sunny day, I mean, I might be giving me a hint. That was I also say like sunny, sunny day, gray. I, I, mean, I said snowy day. Snowy day. Snowy. Oh, yes. Um, it was Miguel Cabrera off of Shane Bieber. Yeah, he's uh, snowing so hard he slid into second base. Not three. Oh man, I didn't realize that was opening day. Yeah, two points. Right, it would yeah. be because it's Shane Bieber. Oh, thanks for the hint uh, yeah. of snowy day. That is the funniest. That is the funniest thing to me. Like yeah, you can't see the highlight. <laughs> yeah, he didn't it's, see it. It's yeah. insane. You can't see and it. Like I, yeah. I had to do analysis on this. I'm like, guys, like you don't <laughs> don't worry about Shane Bieber. I guess like how can you possibly say this is normal? Yeah, yeah, that yeah, the snowy second. Oh man, the snowy day. That's why uh, we have a we have a dome up here in, in uh, Toronto. Yeah, there it is. Many snowy opening days. Right. Um, do you, I want to ask you how many innings was the longest opening day game ever? Oh man, um, I remember one against the Rockies. Uh, the Rockies Diamondbacks. That was extra innings like a couple of years ago. I want to say it is sixteen. It is 16 innings. Uh, the Toronto Blue Jays and the uh, Cleveland, now known as the Guardians, played uh, 16, 16 innings. A few years when back. Was that? 2015, 2016, I think. Totally remembered. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> right. All right. All right. 16. It just sounds like a right number, you know? Yeah. I mean, like yeah. It sounds like, you know, long enough, but not like not double the game, you know? Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, what pitcher holds the record for the most opening day shutouts? Ooh. Oh man, that's got to be an old guy. Like that can't be. That can't be modern baseball. Like very old. Yeah. yeah. Like very old. And it's got to be like uh, uh, I'm gonna say Walter Johnson. Uh, it is Walter Johnson. Yes. Yeah, he actually threw a 15 inning shutout. Uh, yes. On opening day. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Oh, killing good. it. Yeah, that's uh. <laughs> I am. I I bet it against myself in Vegas, so it doesn't matter. I'm doing this for everybody else. Five and a half points. Las Vegas, a city they'll never have a baseball. Team, according to me. Yeah, right. Never. Nick Ball, Hopefully. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and the, and the exactly. last one. Which which player has the most opening day starts? Oh, um. Oh man, uh, this can't be modern either. Um, Cy Young. No, no, uh, no idea. Tom Seaver. Most oh, Seaver! Oh, that's cool. I, I don't I'm know why I started with like a Mets. And, <laughs> no, no. I mean, well, Mets. You know, he 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 might have had an opening day start for Atlanta. Um, yeah, that's true. Um, but uh, that's that's awesome. All right, five and a half points. The seven questions. I will take that. Good. Seven questions. Good. No, it must be yeah. more than that. Seven, seven questions. questions. Yeah. Oh, right. I got two points. Okay. Cool. Cool. Yeah, you got two points. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, that was fun. That was a okay. great time. Great. Uh, thanks for coming on, Nick. This was so fun. Oh, this was amazing. Uh, I, I very much am honored that you brought me on here, Grace. Uh, hey. Yes, yeah, this was fantastic. Lots more baseball to talk about throughout the rest of the season. So, oh, uh, like the I can't story, wait. So. Yeah, I can't wait. Well, oh, it'll be in my so ears close. every weekday. Um, tell people where they can find you, uh, what you're up to, all that sort of stuff. I know we talked sure. a lot about it before, but give, give the whole pitch. If you are a baseball fan, you should go to pitchos.com. We have everything that you want. Sure, we have fantasy analysis, but we've got all this, all this baseball stuff too. Um, if you're looking at players, go to our player pages. Every stat is explained in league averages so you can grasp them. Um, but yeah, just follow me on Twitter at pitcherlist. 
um, have ask any question you have about the game fantasy or not. Uh, everyone has had that question once before. Uh, or if you're also really smart, maybe no one has asked that question in a good way. Uh, so don't hesitate to do so. Um, and if you are of any intrigue about the game, well, we're just so happy that you might be a fan. So come hang out. Uh, we've got all these things to help you out doing it. And yeah, if you want, join our Discord. It's really cool. Grace will, Grace is there. We're, we're super happy she's there. And uh, we hope you want to join it too. Yeah, it's great community. It's really great. Again, help me win. I just, my one disclaimer <laughs> is that if you're playing against me in fantasy, so you're not allowed to sign up. <laughs> but other than that, you're welcome to. Just kidding. I can't stop you. Go ahead. Uh, it's great. Um, I am on Twitter at Hi From Grace, uh, mostly over on post show recaps. Uh, talking about winning time the hbo show about the los angeles lakers uh jason reed and i are covering that each week doing weekly movie coverage this week we talked about the lost city with sandra bullock and channing tatum um and uh we should have some additional our flag means death coverage uh which should be very fun and of course uh, the off-suite podcast here on rob has a podcast also on Rob is a podcast is a new podcast on the network that brings you true crime Tuesdays. Mari Forth and Sarah Carradine are co-hosts of Crime Scene, the true crime review podcast where they get to the heart of how true crime stories are told. They put documentary features, short series and long running episodic shows under the magnifying glass and examine what true crime stories can tell us about ourselves. With fascinating guests each week to discuss their true crime passions, new and recent releases and classics, Crime Scene has just what you need to scratch that true crime itch crime scene that's s-e-e-n check it all out at rob as a website.com slash crime feed and uh perhaps in a few weeks we will be hearing from our true crime experts uh themselves thanks so much for joining me uh, this week thanks to our guest nick pollock until next week the podcast is over <laughs> <laughs>